Yes, and it's been a long time since we've had a guest on, but we are bringing a blast from the past. Uh, Our favorite Taylor Swift correspondent is here. (laughs) Yay! Why, hello! Welcome, welcome, Ashley. Um, Obviously, you know her. She's from my first OG and forever favorite podcast, Swiftish. Honestly, an inspiration to us all. And I think you might be like the last guest we had because we did that evermore episode i don't know matt might have had someone else on while i was on maternity leave but oh i had a bunch of people on while you were on maternity leave (laughs) i wasn't doing these episodes by myself (laughs) (laughs) good call you know Uh, self-awareness we love that um but no ashley thank you welcome back Thank you. I'm excited to be back, um, ready to go head-to-head with Matt. I've actually been looking forward to this when I first <laughs> listened to what we were talking about today. My first thought was, what does Matt think? <laughs> Keeps her up at night. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm glad <laughs> to have such a large uh, place in your mental headspace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys have been on a bit of a hiatus from talking about Taylor Swift stuff. So I feel like we're... Um, we're getting a lot of like hot, fresh takes, a lot of like yeah. things you guys haven't discussed yet and are ready to get off your chests. Yeah. So we just had an episode yesterday where we just talked about overall reactions. We haven't gone track by track by track. So this will be fresh news. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it's been exciting. I mean, like Ashley said, we had our podcast yesterday. And we talked a lot about kind of the promo cycle leading up to this album, how different it is for Taylor, kind of what we were expecting than what we got and how the general public reacted to it, um, which has been kind of, you know, broad strokes positive, but there have been percolations of maybe negative talk out there. Um, Twitter is a mess of opinions as it usually is. Uh, But this album's done supremely well. Um, It's Midnight's Taylor Swift's 10th official album um 12th if you count her or thir- wait <laughs> she's on 10 right yeah original written ts10 yeah and um obviously we also have the two re-recordings that have happened over the last couple of years um hints of more re-recordings to come mm. but uh this album did great it, it premiered with like a 95 metacritic score i think it's gone down to like 92 um rolling stones gave it a five star review uh it broke streaming records within a day on itunes and, and spotify it's holding the top 10 spots on both itunes and spotify I think it also sold the mouse records of the year in a mm. single day and is on track, <clears throat> sorry, is on track to sell over a million copies, which is a record she holds for her last album. So uh, yeah, just a good day to be Taylor Swift, honestly. Yeah, a good day to be flying around the country in that 
one of her two jets. Yeah, Ashley, uh, this is a repeated attack uh, from Matt's angle. The only thing he can think to criticize her on is the airplane usage. It's not, she's not the only one flying. Her friends are flying too. It's her friend. <laughs> okay, great. Okay, okay. Yes. Well, that makes it She's better. She's carpooling. Her and the her and the friends can all you know burn <laughs> the earth together. Um, no. So the album, yes, it's come out. I feel like it's been all encompassing on social media, mm-hmm. on TikTok. Um, that's it, everybody's been talking about it. Uh, did how did you guys feel about the promo sort of cycle in general and? And obviously the last two albums were the like more um, like folky sort of quiet albums. Were you excited to or like what what were you thinking you were going to get and what were your thoughts like as this was getting ready to be released? Yeah, Ashley, you want to jump in? Yeah, I don't want to. I always cut people off. So I wanted to give that leeway. (laughs) Um, Promotional cycle. It was so different because we didn't hear a single taste of what this music was going to be. But Taylor was pushing album, 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 album at us. This different version, that different version. Um, it was it was just really kind of a lot of merch being um, yes, the thrown clock, at us. The, yes, uh, <laughs> the clock. The, the, the various the, album covers. The yeah. CDs, yeah. yes. The signed CDs, the signed vinyls. There was a lot of merch going, going out. Um, do she, we know if, she, if she has purchased some kind of like vinyl making company that has like should. a a quota, <laughs> whatever that whatever that material is used, like her family's hold stock in it or mm. something. Yeah, it's it's to sell records. It's to break those records. And not a lot of artists sell records like she does. It's because she has this strategy. She's gonna sign. She's gonna sell signs. She's gonna sell vinyl. She's gonna sell these different versions. She's going to release her tour pre-sale codes to Europe and Canada to make sure they buy her CD before it drops on release day. Like she has this mastermind and then she has a <laughs> UMG who's just also purchasing random um I don't know essence bottles at us and and matches. It's just a lot of like merch that was thrown at us beforehand when no one knew what the album sounded like. People didn't know if they were going to like it, but they felt this pressure to, to buy all these records. And then, um, of course, we had additional tracks released afterwards, different CDs. That's a whole different story. <laughs> but um, Shelby and I were talking about this about, uh, I think, like a month and a half ago when we last recorded. And I wanted... Like I wanted something like Lizzo. I wanted more reputation, more 1989, because I was kind of done with Evermore and folklore. Um, and I, I think Shelby was too. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was enjoying the. I have like a quiet Taylor playlist, and that's usually what I would go to, just like listening to it. But I definitely wanted like some new. I was excited to. See that it seemed like it was going to be more pop, more Mm -hmm. autobiographical, more of the classic Taylor, uh, you know, diary entries rather than just making up stories about teenagers. Um, (laughs) So I was here for the, for the drama of it all. Um, I do feel like the promo cycle was like, okay, whatever. Like it wasn't her worst. It wasn't her best for me personally. Like nothing got, you know, nothing comes close to the hype of reputation just coming off of the dead zone. And then, of course, 1989, you know, you mm-hmm. can't top meeting the queen herself. <laughs> um, 
But I was glad it had a little bit of lead time, but not as much lead time as something like Lover. And so when it came out, I was like, I was excited to listen to it. Uh, always love new music. Matt has, you know, he gets gleeful at any criticism, criticism I lob at Taylor Swift. And as a person, as a celebrity, I don't feel myself like endeared to her in the same way maybe um but I always have loved her storytelling and so I think I was just excited to have new music to kind of explore and this album didn't disappoint in getting a lot of different oh a lot of different stories to unpack a lot of new lyrics to kind of think about and a lot of um details that make me wonder you know what was she doing on April 29th I do want to know you know everyone does (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I was Googling that. I was like, is this a reference to something? See, we taught you well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now, but then I was getting conflicting information off mm-hmm. of line on what what day she was, uh, w- like which year this referred to. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, we'll that's get to the that. Of it all. And I was reading this interesting article or this interview. I'm trying to remember who it was between, but these two people were talking kind of about the enigma that is Taylor Swift and they were they were talking about like this. She seems to have this tortured soul where half of her wants to be revealing. She wants to be personal, but then she's also really strategizing and intellectual and she's challenging that emotional side. And so there's this like give and take where it's like, yeah, it is a diary entry, but it's also, you know, highly edited to fit a lyrical, this will play on the radios, this will please my fans, this will get me clear of any libel laws type thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's a constant dance in her mind and in her music of like, how much am I going to give? And how much does it matter as long as people are relating to the the themes of it, the emotion of it? And I think that's something that she can teach a masterclass in and is sort of why her legacy has lasted so long, even though she is kind of a controversial public figure. And even though her music isn't for everyone, like there's just something so mesmerizing about how her brain works through these sort of tangled webs of her own making in some cases. And um, I think Midnight's is such an interesting album, the more you reflect on it, because it does feel like it's paying homage to everything she's done before. It's very much kind of copy and paste of the themes and mm-hmm. moments, not only because she's revisiting these 13 nights or 20 nights that she uh, worked on through this album, but kind of like imagining, reimagining these same stories and how she's processed it and kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit more on her psychology of it. Like it feels like an album where she went to therapy, she took an edible, she cried herself to sleep and she woke up and she had the plans, you know, like that's how, that's how I felt listening to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, um, she's definitely, uh, like rehashing some old ground, but I, I sort of felt like this album was more cryptic than the Mm. previous ones. Like, I felt like it wasn't as clear to me that the thing, yeah. like, like it all felt a little murky. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think part I, of that is intentional. It seems like it's mm-hmm. trying to go for the big picture, like, instead of all too well zeroing in on this relationship and, like, analyzing it in the moment, it's more, huh? It feels like inner child work, right? Like, she's going through it and she's like, you know, why did I feel this way? And, like, what was that about? But it definitely is keeping us at arm's length still, I'd say. Yeah, because I was reading the explainers of like what the who the different songs are about and things, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were very like vague. Well, it could have been this person, and it yeah. could have been this person, and it could have been this other person. I feel like there's like less 
specifics. It's like she's hitting the same emotional beats that we've seen before in other songs. But you're like, is she talking about Kanye? Is she talking about Calvin Harris? Is she talking about Jake Gyllenhaal? Like, uh, unclear in a lot of these places. But did you... So so the album comes out, you guys listen to it. Mm-hmm. What are your like initial takeaways? Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Like where would you sort of slot it in in her discography as of now? It's been out for like a little less than a week. I know. This is the tough one. I feel mm-hmm. like I left the recording with Ashley yesterday on Swiftish and was like, maybe I was too harsh on it. And I was like there's songs that are like growing on me, but initial reaction was sort of like, Oh, okay. Like it wasn't, it didn't blow my mind um, in the same way, like 1989 did or tracks off of like folklore. Um, But I also was like, this is a good album. Like I wasn't like, Oh, cringe. Like this is bad. Honestly, I've talked a lot about how lover kind of fails the test just because it feels a little messy and unedited and kind of like could have used another walkthrough but it has some of her best songs whereas this I think is a better stronger album as a whole but none of the songs stand out as like her top 10 like hits I don't know if I'll ever think that this is has some of her best work even if it's like a good set (laughs) Mm mm-hmm I I liked it, Matt. Um, probably because you Shelby and I have talked about this um, on our last episode, but I was kind of I was kind of over the cottage core. You know, after Evermore, I was just kind of like ready for something different. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Lizzo. That's I was more ready for a little bit of more like Lizzo reputation to come back. But I wasn't disappointed by this, especially like the but. Lavender Haze, that was like a mm-hmm. great first track for her to lead into that album. And I just felt that like there were some strong songs on here that I got chills from. I could imagine myself like blasting in the middle of the night, driving down the, an empty road. But there were also some songs that blurred into other songs. And it just kind of like, oh, that sounds like a song she's done before. Mm-hmm. Like it did, it wasn't anything new. It was just like, Shelby said a copy and paste something familiar I've heard this uh rumor and this conspiracy theory I guess that each song has like a sister song on a different album and that could ring true because everything (laughs) sounds so so similar and you know just just like weaves into what she's done in the past we and love like, a you know, conspiracy the odds theory. Are, like, mm-hmm. you know, these are technically like her 13 biggest nights or like nights that she's thought a lot about. And so, of course, there's similarities and um, tie-ins to past songs because the odds are she has written about these same issues before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's like that's sort of what's intriguing about what she calls this concept album. Like, it's like, ooh, let's revisit this. And I think it was a smart idea strategically because she did have to reset after taking that sort of detour through folklore and evermore. Um, She had to remind people that, no, she wants to do pop. That's where she wants to live in. And I think this is like sort of a natural, this is what would have happened if the pandemic hadn't happened type thing. Like, this is what would have come next down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And, um, so in that sense, it like, it like makes sense. Um, but I think the people are dying to know, like, how did you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I was having a mild, like mental breakdown when I was listening oh. to this album. I was like, 
I was like, I really like this. I was like, I know that I dislike Taylor Swift and that I have not liked her previous albums, but I was like, do I like, but I, I was, as I was listening to this, I was like, this, this is all. No, no, this is not going good place. Oh. This is, this is, I was like, all of these songs sound exactly the same to me. This <laughs> album is going on for like what feels like years as I'm listening through these like 21 tracks. And I thought, did I dislike the previous albums this much when I first listened to them? And then they sort of like, like grew on me. Cause I was like, I, there are songs off of the previous albums that mm-hmm. I do like. And I was like struggling to, separate any of these songs from one another they all were like running into each other and and there were lots of pieces like i'm not a big enough taylor swift fan to like immediately like recognize them but there were like either phrases or like notes of things that i was like oh that's that like that's from another taylor swift song i just don't know which one it is Mm -hmm. and yeah it was just all so I felt kind of bland. I didn't feel like she was really singing most of it. It felt like sort of a spoken word album in a lot of places. I was like, I don't know what the, it's like she put on like a low level synth in the background and then sort of just like read a poem in like a breathy fashion. I think that on this album, there are, two halfway decent songs one of them is actually good and the other one is like deranged but at least fun and the rest of them are indistinguishable to me i am wondering did you read the insider article that they wrote about about the midnights because i'm like were you i is that where you're drawing your annoyance no why did did they agree with me i did I did see someone commented on Twitter that was like, this is an album that does not have a single in sight. And I was like, yes, I agree with that. Like, I can't imagine any of these songs being played on, like coming up by themselves on the radio. Um, but okay. So I guess I'm, I'm being validated now that somebody else had the same take yes. as me. Someone had said that they, they felt like they could write, like, I think it might've been bejeweled that they could, that they could have wrote, wrote this, like, seventh grade a poem in high school so there are people who severely did not like it and people who have really liked it for some reason there's this big disconnect even though this isn't a different sound for her um and i wonder if you would have maybe listened to just 13 tracks instead of the whole 3 a.m edition if you would have come come away without thinking oh my gosh this is just going on forever i did i did also have that thought because i feel like the one of my complaints about the last couple albums that she's done is that they're too long and i felt Mm -hmm. like in the back half of evermore and folklore there's just like extra songs that Mm. don't feel like they're needed um and that if she had like honed down those albums to like 12 songs or 13 songs it might have been Mm -hmm. it might have felt stronger where i feel like it's diluted and i think this was sort of a baffling pr move to me to release the album with 13 tracks and then immediately three hours later release seven more like i can see releasing the extra one but i don't know why you wouldn't like wait a certain period of time and then i was like this must have to do something with like the grammys or some like (laughs) qualification thing that like she wants the album to be judged on the like first set of songs Mm -hmm, but then like wanted to release the other songs anyways so now it's like this extended version that like maybe doesn't qualify for things i don't know i was 
kind of confused as to why she chose this method of releasing so many songs like at one time if it wasn't going to be a full well, album. It's like... also it's also strange that like all the Aaron Dessner songs are in the second yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. And so the first 13 songs are basically just her and Jack Antonoff. Mm-hmm. And there's like not there's not a lot of variety in the writing. And then yeah. the second section does sort of feel different than the first section because there's the like national energy to it. Yeah. But yeah, I was confused on this release. I think it was move. like, I think it comes back to Taylor has a lot of anxiety around certain <laughs> moments in her life. And one of them that I think, you know, subconsciously or not, she's obsessing over is this idea that red was criticized for not being cohesive enough. And so throughout her album since then, she's been trying to figure out how to package the perfect, like, morsel for the critics um and so there is like a strategy to it where she's like oh I'll, I'll play it safe I'm just going to do this 13 track album and it's like good enough it's charming enough it it hits all the spots for anyone who's like a casual fan to a big fan like whatever maybe this will be enough um and I do think I agree with you where on first listen like casual listen you there's nothing that like jumps there's very few things that jump out on this standard album whereas if you think about her other stuff going back to red with something like i knew you were trouble mixed in there or even on 1989 there's like this there's these big moments like the out of the woods bridge or um the bad blood or clean with imogen heap and so you always have these like wow factor moments on her other albums um but this one felt more like sanitized in a way like it was Mm -hmm. all kind of very sonically cohesive Mm -hmm. and um I think that is partly because Jack Antonoff and her have such a deep like friendship now and they just like vibe off each other so hard that there isn't the same sort of like critical thought or work going into it I think at times so there's like an indulging on the over synthification of every every possible music horn string instrument he can think of putting through the computer and popping it behind her vocals, messing with her vocal levels for some reason. And so Mm. while there's playfulness on this album, it all is at the same like grade level. Like there's nothing, there's no experimentation happening beyond this simple, like synth 101 taught by Jack Antonoff. And so I feel like the extra, the extra album, the 3am album is that more chaotic energy where there are more like genre, not genres, I guess, because it is all the same, but mm-hmm. there's more, there's more exploring of sound and more of those big bombastic moments where you do have the moments that stand out like, holy shit, what a bridge or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, whereas there's not that same experimentation happening on the forefront. And I think that is just to try and keep it simple for the casual listener it's weird though because like i like jack antonoff and bleachers like in general and i feel like they're usually a little bit more like upbeat and you know i was listening to even folklore and evermore like re-listening to them to try and like remember what my thoughts were on those Mm -hmm. and i feel like they just had more like light and shade to it And I think that, like, I was desperate for, like, a Max Martin showing (laughs) up, like, any, like, some kind of, like, something that was, like, a little bit more dancey. Like, it felt like this was all, like, riding at, like, a five energy level. And then sometimes it would dip down to, like, a four or three, but it, like, never got up 
like higher than a five. And I, yeah, I was just like, this Which is, is kind of shocking because I mean, I don't know if any of you guys have anxiety. Any of you, any of you guys have been kept up in the middle of the night. Like I'm just thinking sometimes, like yeah. thinking about me up in the middle of the night. Sometimes my heart is racing when I'm nervous or anxious about something. So I was assuming that that would also come through in some of this music. I was hoping for maybe a little more reinvention because she's so good at that with her sound throughout like the past few eras. And I don't feel like this is a reinvention. It's like more of like a, a meshing of sounds. Well, mm. even like a like I could have used like a getaway car or something mm-hmm. that has like a build to it. Cause I yeah. do feel like, yeah, that's a good point of saying if these are supposedly songs that she like wrote at midnight of various midnights at your life. Well, one, some of those midnights you're like up with other people or partying or something like midnight is like an exciting time Mm -hmm. and then also yeah there's like the anxious midnights and this sort of seems to be like the midnights of like my mom who always goes to bed at nine and if she's (laughs) up till midnight like she's barely (laughs) hanging on like that was the the vibe i was getting i mean i I do have to say vigilante shit and karma are more along the lines of like okay let's we're 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 gearing up for something to happen but it doesn't (laughs) but those two songs i feel were were a little more like okay this is more of my vibe yeah i think it's more like wine drunk taylor like in her feelings it's not necessarily as big of a like i too thought oh we'll get like all over the place songs like mm-hmm. sad songs like literally just crying in a bathtub sad and then partying with your friends like 22's happy mm-hmm. but it really is just her and maybe this speaks to why her her like album art is so like 70s grunge in a basement like just alone lying on the couch like I think it is just her kind of like contemplative mm-hmm. and a little bit wasted but not necessarily as diverse as you might imagine a 32 year old's midnights would be mm-hmm. not to uh you know go to my greatest muse which is Anne Hathaway but <laughs> when we got the premise for this album it reminded me of the book slash movie she was in one day where you're oh, like seeing the no the, which okay no here's the thing though Trash. it's like break my I, heart one day that like was Terrible ending. I like died over that. Yes, <laughs> yes, a deranged ending. But I did think that like the 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 premise of that is yeah. clever, and that you're like getting the the couple on like the same day every year or whatnot. Mm-hmm, right. And so, but the writer I think did a good job of making those days super different, even though they were, you know, it was the same. And so I felt like I wanted sort of that from this album mm-hmm. of like, okay, we have these midnights, but like, what are the different types of midnights that yes. can keep you up and how can they keep you up in different ways and yeah we d- it wasn't Maybe so i was expecting experience is different than yours you know uh... well yeah but i imagine some of her midnights are more <laughs> chaotic than mine well matt it's interesting that you say that because i've seen some swifties who you know diehard swifties people who i know who are like defend taylor from like right to left up and down till midnight and they were kind of feeling the same way they were just kind of like they were expecting so much so much more something different from taylor and they're like is she plateauing for me like what's going on (laughs) i'm so like plateauing i I think i think that the way she was marketing it i was expecting 13 different nights 13 different feelings 13 different sounds 13 different stories like i like this album i do 
It wasn't what I was expecting, though. I'm not sure that, like, I feel like it's hard for me to, like, judge the songs individually in some ways because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've listened to them all in this big cluster. But I do think if, like, she had kept the original 13 songs and, like, maybe swapped out two of them for things that were, like, a little bit more Mm dancey, that the album would have worked for me. Mm -hmm. I think it was just, like, the onslaught of it and the (laughs) fact that there were so many songs but okay we should get into the track by track because we have 21 of them and it will take us a while um but first to guess our favorite songs yeah and you let us know that you have two to choose from yes two so i have no idea now Now i'm like oh okay okay i've been thinking about this um but you did throw me for a loop um because you said one of them was bonkers or something I'm going to yeah. say... I think there's two good songs. I think there's one song that's actually like a great A, great song all the way around. And I think there's one song that makes no sense, but I enjoy. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and guess that your favorite is Lavender Haze. And that you... Are we doing least favorite too? Is that... Do you have a least oh, favorite gosh, of the, that's of a, the bunch? Oh, gosh. That's a real race for the bottom here. Um... <laughs> Sure, you can guess it. I'm gonna guess your least favorite is. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't even think you care enough to have a least favorite, but I would say your least favorite is Snow on the Beach. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for Ashley, I'm gonna say that your favorite is hmm, is Vigilante shit, okay. and your least favorite is. Uh, labyrinth okay 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 um, Matt, uh, you you want to go, go first Ashley no, you go ahead I'll oh okay here. I think that Shelby's favorite is anti-hero and I think her least favorite is uh, I'm gonna say uh would have could have should have okay um and then I also think that Ashley's favorite is vigilante shit because she wanted the reputation era. And this is the closest <laughs> thing that we've got. And let's, but see, she also, I always just go back to how she liked that it's nice friendship that. song that yeah. was so bad. Really hey, that's in a horror movie now. <laughs> so excited. Yes, so excited. I heard it and I was like, this is the perfect place for it. We, we, it's found where it belongs. Um, okay. So let me think about this then. Uh, what would her least favorite song be on this? Thing then because she wants something exciting but she also like couldn't have a friend um i'm gonna say your least favorite song is paris okay okay on my turn matt you kind of threw me for a loop because i was like oh for sure your favorite's gonna be bejeweled because you like that lady gaga just the the splashy um sound but you also said that one was chaotic i'm gonna guess the chaotic one that you kind of like that was all over the place i'm gonna say your second favorite because shelby already guessed your first favorite is karma because i feel like that is a little bit all over the all over the place and ooh, your least favorite Oh, let me see. It's going to be either be Snow on the Beach or Labyrinth, I'm going to say. And Shelby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have two. Oh, three okay. that might be 
before no. you. And Let's it, be realistic. You get two. But. I get two. Okay. I'm going to do two um, because Matt already said one of them, um, I think, or you said one of them for somebody else. I'm going to say I'm totally different than than what Matt thinks. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of your life right now, and I'm thinking maybe you'll vibe really well with would have, could have, should have. Um, Wait, what does that mean? I'm pining for a toxic relationship. No, 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 no. <laughs> People are saying it's more. It's more of like a a crisis. You want an of faith. age gap? No, no, no. The way that people are talking about <laughs> it. More, okay, yeah. More I'm, like I'm excited to talk about this. Really, I am. <laughs> but um, I was like, maybe that's it. I don't know, because but sweet nothing. I'm gonna say maybe I'm I'm gonna say sweet nothing. Um, might be your favorite, and then your least favorite would be snow on the beach. Oh, interesting. Everybody's okay. really hating on Snow on the Beach. Okay, I'm um, excited um, to talk about this. Yes, I, like, I honestly feel like this is a mess of guesses. Honestly, well, the album is a mess so too, so this um, okay. It is hard to guess uh, between songs that are basically the same song. Mm, okay, you know? we get it, yeah. we get it, we get it. Okay. Love I have, is you, our opener. Uh, I have, hold on, I have like a oh. list of like my picks, so I will take a picture and send it to you if any of my originals are true. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> So we have a, a, a proof of record. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Lavender Haze is the opener. It's uh, basically like she said in her promo stuff, she talked about how she heard this phrase in Mad Men and how people get so lost in their in their love that they just want to keep it forever. And that's what she wanted to preserve no matter what the haters were saying. And so it's funny because this song actually takes a jab at this 1950s shit as she says it. And she's constantly talking about like all they keep asking me is if I'm going to be your bride the only kind of girl they see is a one night or a wife mm-hmm. so how did we feel about this because I I was all in I was excited for this one I like well, this is this is also the bisexual song supposedly yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is the one which I listened to it with that in mind and was like this does sound like somebody like this sounds like something someone would sing if everyone's like oh no you just have to marry a man and she's like no I'm in love with a woman nice. I want to be with Carly Kloss <laughs> So, yes, I got I that, that vibe from it. I I thought this song was fine. It was, okay. I think because it was the it's the first song on the album and it has the lesbian angle, it like <laughs> was higher on my list than not, but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't doing Dang a ton it. for me. Okay. I okay. would like to, though, ask a question, yes. which is that Zoe Kravitz is yes. somehow a writer I on know. this and another song. How did they meet... Is Zoe Kravitz a musician? Like, why is she here? She was on in... this album that has no songwriters, basically, except for her and Jack Antonoff. We now have Zoe Kravitz mm-hmm. mysteriously in the mix. Was she in the Bad Blood music video or no? I don't think so. I think she's a new addition. I was shocked when I heard this. I did not realize they even knew each other. Yeah. Well, she said on her um, Jimmy Fallon that she. Just his kind of, she didn't mention Zoe Kravitz by name. Well, she did say she's credited, but then she was telling stories about like why Dylan O'Brien is like on the drums for some of these songs and like how she ran into Laura Dern or got the actors for her music videos. And Mm -hmm. it's a lot of, you know, rubbing shoulders at parties and like wanting to vibe with someone. So I don't know the like, you know, six degrees too, um, but it is a strange, it's like, this is a track that has like six writers on it. Actually, it's like, a bunch of random ones and Zoe Kravitz and Jack Antonoff and Taylor Swift, obviously. And so it is kind of like, huh, what were they all contributing here? And why did it need seven people to get to it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the breakdown of what they each did and what that workday looked like. 
Because it could just be that they were vibing in the studio all together. I don't know. And they just were like throwing around ideas. And so then they all got a credit type thing. But I don't know if Zoe Kravitz is technically like, you know, she's like getting into music or if it was just kind of a she happened to be their thing. I will say that I have heard, this is a separate issue, but I have heard from people that Taylor Swift is just going to like the random sort of for your consideration film screening events, like that, that press people have gone to these screenings, you know, that like I go to and that they have seen Taylor Swift at several of Hmm. these for movies that are not Joe Alwyn movies. Like she's not connected with at all. And that they think that's, you know, part of her like being on the award circuit to try to get this Oscar nomination for her, for the all too well music video. But that does sort of make sense, I guess that then she would be in contact with these sort of random celebrities who (laughs) would then just like show up in ways because she's ran into them on the campaign trail. Hashtag girl boss. Hashtag girl boss. (laughs) Yeah. I like this song. Um, I kind of saw it as, you know, usually when you're, you have the, what are the sunglasses? You're When you're like looking just rose like at something. Oh, rose colored glasses? Yeah. yeah. When you're looking at rose colored glasses, just you looking at something. And I feel like with the lavender haze, I, I imagine her and, and Joe being in this like, this haze and they couldn't see what was around them and they didn't care what was around them. Um, and I really liked it. And to your point about the, the lesbian um, aspect of it, she actually really divided a lot of fans because yeah, after she released the track title for Lavender Haze, everyone was like, whoa, she's coming out. This is what's happening. And then she immediately went on reels on Instagram and was saying how, you know, about me and my boyfriend, you know, putting up with random rumors, putting up with like all these uh, other like crap going on, these weird um, conspiracies about us. And so everyone was like, oh, why is she queer baiting us? <laughs> yeah. yeah, a complicated issue. Um, I had to break it down for Matt one of these last weeks. Oh, um, okay. Good. <laughs> but yeah, I think to anyone who felt it was uh, homophobic for her to call him weird rumors about her. I think this song proves she's not worried about them, you mm-hmm. know, saying she's gay so much as saying, are you married yet? Are you having yeah. a baby yet? Where's your baby? Where's your secret baby? Um, and you get that a lot from this album. Yes, you do. Uh, but not on the next song, which is yeah. an interesting song, Maroon. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this to be very uh, kind of like provocative images and interesting details, but it was like unclear on first listen what was happening and Mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of the chaos of hoax where you're like, is this a love song? Is this a sad song? Like what's happening for her in this moment? But I do like her color theory coming into play again. You know, you have her whole red album where she's like, love is red. It's so intense. It's so vibrant. But then in lover, she realizes, no, it's not red. It's daylight. It's golden. And so I feel like that means that this song must take place before, before her true golden love, Joe. Um, but after red, when she realizes that red isn't the best color to be, and it's kind of like, you know, it can turn ugly and like leave rust between bones and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like most people are saying that this is about, um, Harry Styles. Mm. Uh, I heard it was about Tom Hiddleston. (laughs) <laughs> I did not hear that. I don't, I mean, I don't know if it's about Harry because I feel like Maroon is just more mature. She saw the rust, whereas they're kind of in a good place now. Um, 
it's like her most mature relationship before um, Joe was Calvin. I know no one wants to give any kind of credit to Calvin, but you know, it, it, this is a very mature, darkening color yeah. than red, like well, darker and deeper. And I feel that that could be Calvin. But the I, real question is, she steals her the boyfriend's roommate's cheap uh, rosé with the yeah. screw top. So who had a who had a roommate? That's why I think it's Harry. Who Styles. had the rosé? Oh, could it I could think, it be all of his little bandmates? Well, also, yeah. Also, why was she stealing rosé? Why, like, I mean, I think she's just saying like that's just why buy a bottle. So funny but right Taylor's now. an unreliable <laughs> um, narrator, Matt. Like, we know that we can't trust everything she puts into these lyrics because she does twist him and shift him but, and kind okay, of make. Here's them why I think this. it's Harry and. What? um Someone else did the digging on this, but yeah. she sings in this song about dancing barefoot, and there mm-hmm. is video of her dancing barefoot with Harry Styles during this like karaoke night. And on that same weekend, she was caught with a hickey on her neck, like in fan photos. Oh. And so in this song, she sings about the maroon the mark, mark her on neck. her neck. And do yeah. I think she still remembers having a hickey? I don't know. But I do think that's a fun I little... do. That mind is a <laughs> trap. Everything goes in there and doesn't come out. Fun little detail there. Honestly, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good. This is fun. I like the bridge on this. That was a note I left. I can't tell you what it is right now off the top of my head. Um, but she had I good vocal like control. Song. I felt like it was like a good enough song. Mm-hmm. No. No. Boring. <laughs> I, I felt like it sounded no. like a lot of other songs. Like, yeah. Afterglow. Like, it, it had a lot. It was very much of reminiscent of other songs that she has done. Yes. I couldn't put my finger on it. Well, yes. that's also, it does feel very 1989, like, mm-hmm. um, I wish you would. And, yes. like, and I do feel like that's why I also think it's a Harry Styles relationship song. Yeah. So. so do we think that these songs, like, were partially written previously no. or that no. she, she she's just thinking about not. these moments and writing them recently? Yes. She okay. explicitly said that all of this is new content. Mm-hmm. Um, none of it are, like, vault tracks that she's bringing up for this. Uh, is it possible that she had like, you know, she talked about how she wrote a bunch of lines for Blank Space before ever making the song Blank Space. Like she just penciled down clever images. So it could be like, you know, things pulled from notes apps or whatever, but gotcha. um, it's mm-hmm. a new song. So then you get to the first single, um, which is Antihero. Uh, Matt, what did you think of this? This is the song that I actually think is a good song. Oh, oh. I knew it. I was going to say. I feel like this, I mean, one of the things I dislike about Taylor Swift is how she's always like on the everybody's out to get me sort of train. And I think that this song is like shows a lot of maturity and like, yes, I went to therapy sort of energy because (laughs) Mm -hmm. she's talking about like her self-doubt and how that comes out. And I think probably a lot of the reason why, like, I think... I feel like you can see in her past music in a lot of cases, like how if you were had self-doubt and you were like projecting that on other people, how it would come out in mm-hmm. these, you know, different sort of unhealthy ways. Um, so I really liked this one. I thought it was good at like being very vulnerable and getting at something that she hasn't really talked about a ton, even though she's kind of has at moments. Um, I really liked the image of the, like her as the Godzilla monster. And I thought just like the music here was strong. Like I thought the, 
the melody and the way that the song comes together just was better executed and more interesting than lots of the other uh, stuff. And and the music video I thought was also kind of fun. Um, so yeah, so overall I thought that this was a high point. Oh and smart of her to select this as the opener, I, I think. I was going to say, this is a one single. of her favorite songs she's ever written. So you guys are like on the same page. Yeah, yeah. this felt like a song that you would like. <laughs> I did like this song. It, I, it wasn't my favorite if I have to choose only one, but this was in the top three for sure. Yeah, I like this I one too. I think it's a strong one. It's fun and clever. It, you know, harks back to the, one of the biggest criticisms that haunted her from Red through Reputation, which is maybe you're the problem. Maybe you should write a song called I'm the Problem type thing. And so mm-hmm. she literally does here. And while I wish personally it had been a little bit more specific in its like, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know the anti-hero concept of it. Like, I was a little confused by that, but it was—it's like a more fun version of the Archer, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah! Wow, the Archer. There's a song I forgot <laughs> was a thing. Um, a I kind of. Feel... You know, this album does have big Archer energy. Now that we've oh. talked about the Archer, that's what I'm gonna. I this whole the sound here is bringing me the Archer. Yeah. Archer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like one thing that she, I don't know, maybe it just happenstance, but one thing she was kind of doing when she was writing some of this, like, what's going to be really good on TikTok? You know, mm. what's going to be a good meme? And I think, like, oh, it's yes. me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Like, I love yeah. that. But it's also, like, really relates to what you could do on TikTok, what you it's can so do on funny. memes. And Lance, my husband told me that a lot of uh, screenwriters are kind of, you know, they might write, like, really weird lines, but they're doing it because of the memes because of all these like internet yeah. sensations and I can't, that's that what I, the first thing I thought it's like you know that thing goes is it me am I yeah, the am villain, I the villain? <laughs> yeah I the villain? this is what I thought I was like oh my gosh she must have gotten some kind of inspiration from this <laughs> she TikTok. was scrolling through tiktok at midnight yes. yeah. and thinking about her midnights yeah that makes sense <laughs> what did you think of the sexy baby line that was very controversial uh, um, I mean, I thought it was a weird line. I feel like I didn't think that it was necessarily like bad. Yeah, no, mm. I like it. I think I, I never came across as literal to me, so it was always like, yes, oh. no, yeah. So I wasn't like ah, pedophilia. <laughs> yeah. Thank God, our baby sexy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I also do think this is one of her more fun music videos yeah. she's done. Yeah, um, I liked the the like kid skit funeral thing which felt mm-hmm. like a fun tongue-in-cheek poke at her fans who hyperfixate on easter eggs and always expecting a second message and kind of milking her for her legacy without letting her tell her story truthfully and um but always in always in good fun and um it was nice to see a little bit more depth rather than just like like i think about her lover music video and how like I don't know, avant-garde it is. Like, it's, like, very, ooh, what does this mean? Whereas mm-hmm. this is, like, a story, and it's very clear images, and it's relatable for anyone who has, like, insecurities, mm-hmm. even if uh, there's a little bit of fat phobia that she should work through. Um. So I don't know if that's fat phobia, though. Coming from somebody who has, like, has struggled through some issues, it's more internalized on her. I don't think she's calling anyone fat. It's more the pressure on her 
her body images, like her negative um, conscious telling totally. her that she's not good enough. A lot of people are saying like, oh, fat phobia, fat phobia. But I, that's not what she was doing in this Well, I think video. the issue is that internalized fat phobia is still fat phobia. Mm-hmm. And obviously in her brain, the the scariest thing that she could be, whether that's because of societal pressure or her mm-hmm. job security, is fat. Mm-hmm. But fat used as a derogatory word will always be fat phobic. Yeah. And so I think the argument is obviously people have body issues. Obviously people have body dysmorphia. And it's like, how can she better uh, explain that and show that without resorting to the simplification of, ew, fat? Like, oh, mm-hmm. can it's like it's like she's using the word fat to be like, oh, wouldn't that be terrifying? Don't you agree? Like that'd be so bad for me to be fat. And I think that's why it mm. affected a lot of fat people who, yeah. who are like, well, this is just a perpetuation of like of body image being whittled down to are you big or are you skinny type thing mm-hmm. when there's really so much more at play. Um and so, yeah, I think there's other images that would have been more powerful without resorting to, like, the this fatphobic language. Yeah. But I think all in all, um, it was a fun single, and I'm I'm excited to see it on tour. I think it'll be a Me good too. one to sing to. Yeah. Yeah, I could see them. I could see that song being played at, like, a bar or whatever, and everybody sort of singing along and having it be, like, a good time. Um, a song that I, I don't think you could play at a bar and have a good time is mm. Snow on the Beach, which is not my least favorite song, Dang. but is annoying. This is the <laughs> Lana Del Rey one. And I said on our podcast a couple weeks ago when the track list came out, I was like, oh, here we go. Lana Del Rey as a backup singer. Like she did it with the Dixie Chick. She did it with Haim. Like it's going to happen with Lana Del Rey. That's and... why I thought you'd hate it. It's just the resentment there. Yeah, I just, uh, I know that there was grumblings that maybe Lana Del Rey would get an actual, you know, verse or a line here, but she (laughs) does not. I just don't understand, like, I don't understand what Taylor Swift's thought process is here. Obviously, if you're going to feature somebody (laughs) on a track and announce that, like, people want Mm -hmm. them to sing. I don't know why she's done this three times now where she's put these women on as background singers it's like if they're just Mm -hmm. gonna be there as background vocalists you can just list them in the credits like with dylan o'brien on the bongo drum like it does not matter instead she dragged lana del rey into the poor studio and was like no lana lana could you just lana could you just maybe just like whistle once okay yeah that's right perfect (laughs) hey listen it's weird but fucking beautiful you know like i just no i actually didn't hate this song i oh i was wrong i i do feel like it's weird that lana del rey's credited on it because especially since taylor plays with her vocals in other songs where she does like different levels and background noise herself it's like impossible to discern that lana del rey's on this like it's absolutely unnecessary for her to be there and but, Taylor has songs where she sounds like Lana Del Rey. Yeah. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like she's a credited songwriter. So it is weird. Um, but yeah, I don't know how to unpack that really. Uh, I thought she turned a page with her um, Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe Rexha. Phoebe Bridgers. But it, it was a, it was a fine enough song. It didn't make me mad. 
It was one of my least song favorite songs. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's kind of boring. I like. Mm. Yeah, I was like quiet. Song. I'll say this: it is the fourth song on the album, so I still had a little bit of strength left at this yeah. point. So I don't think I could get a full hate into it. It's the I'm the the back end tracks are really where I'm going to be coming hard. <laughs> oh no! Um, <laughs> the next song is "You're on Your Own, Kid," Ooh. um, which did give me. It's nice to have a friend energy i will say uh <laughs> sort of a little ditty if you will talking about how I really liked this song. she's on I'm her sp- own people will betray her she's just got to do it herself you know it's very the, a much trod line for taylor i feel <laughs> well this will be very on brand for me but this is one of my favorite songs oh okay, is, okay. there's like well, two yep. of them and this is there one of my go. favorite ones so it's ve- i'm surprised that you say that it reminds you of it's nice to have a friend and you didn't immediately think Ashley's gonna <laughs> love this one it gave me like, goosebumps even my husband we were driving and i was like did you listen to this he's like yeah i have goosebumps i love this song it's just i think it's really good oh, me too it's not my favorite but it is my top three so oh, wow. we're getting closer. Mm. Um, and it's her fabled fifth track, which is usually what she calls her most emotional song. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is an element of, you know, it, you might find it like, oh, been there, done that, kind of like playing the victim again. But I feel like it's more of an honest look at at like realizing her own strength and like owning that for once instead of constantly blaming others and so Mm. it was like oh man like I wanted this to be different but you're on your own kid and you know what it worked out and I think she this is one of the few songs on this album that has a memorable memorable bridge Mm -hmm. um and one of the most like hauntingly visceral lines which is like I hosted parties and starved my body like I'd be saved by a perfect kiss Mm -hmm. and I think that alone is just like that that is a beautiful Taylor Swift lyric that's just mm-hmm. like honest but relatable, powerful and simplistic and I just think it builds in a really cool way. Hmm. Thrilling. Okay. <laughs> On the number six, Midnight Rain. We gotta keep oh, these going. There's a lot of these tracks here, people. Um <laughs> yes, this one starts with the weird deep voice Taylor at the I beginning. thought it I thought my my audio we talked about this, Shelby. I thought my audio was off. I was like, what? What's going on? <laughs> I was I like, is there somebody else on this track or yeah, no? It's just I did, her. I went to the credits. I'm like, it's just Taylor. Is it Nice Boy Ed? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, this song, I I was sort of a, wasn't exactly sure what it was about necessarily. Like, yeah, it was it was mem- more memorable than some of the other ones on the yes. sub. But it it I was like, huh, what? It's like too cheesy of an here? image. Like Midnight Rain is too like cliche but I do think she was having fun playing around with this and I do feel like this is an interesting relationship to dig into because I could go on for hours about why this is like about Taylor Lautner (laughs) it is about Taylor Lautner look at my last TikTok it's about Taylor Lautner sorry I have I feel like we have not – I forget that Taylor Swift even ever dated Taylor Lautner. She is really going back into the well for this one because I feel like he does not make a lot of appearances December. I feel songs, like this is right? a sister song to December. I don't I know. December, I'm not even yeah. sure I know that song. Oh, what that album is, is that off of? That's off that's of red. red. Oh. Or wait, red. no. It's red. Speak Now. Speak Now. 
Oh, well, that no, would be red. why I don't know I it. feel like it's off of red, but I don't know. No, it's not. This it's is rough, you guys. There's two experts and you don't even Anyways, know. I do feel like it's like, I think that's why it's not as potent imagery. It's much more big picture. It's like, oh, you had such a happy life. I could have been like, you know, I could have settled down with you, been happy, but I was, I was willing to like go cutthroat to get to where I wanted. I was going to go hard to get to what I wanted. And like, sure, you're happily married now, but like... I don't regret leaving you, but I mean, I guess we do still think of each other when we're on TV, you know, type mm-hmm. thing. So kind of just like a, a a tender memory, but justifying her rude breakup, I guess. It's speak now. She was midnight rain. I'm bad. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> next up we have question track number seven. This uh, this song is weird uh, to me because. <laughs> The chorus is so strange, and I've listened to it like six times trying to figure out what the hell she's talking about. Mm. So the lyrics are, can I ask you a question? Did you ever have someone kiss you in a crowded room? And I was like, okay, great, relatable, I'm on track. And then, and every single one of your friends was making fun of you. And I'm like, okay, sort of. And then, but 15 seconds later, they were clapping too. And I'm like, what? And then she's, then what did you, I'm like, what is this scenario that she is describing? Because Very to specific. me, it feels so weird. Like you're at a bar, you're with your friends, you're making out with somebody and everyone's like, wow, that's embarrassing. But then they all start clapping and you don't know why. And then the second half of the chorus are like these, oh, did they, um, did you leave her house in the middle of the night? Did you wish you'd put up more okay. of a fight? I'm, I'm like, what is, <laughs> like, what is she talking about? Ashley and I have split opinions on this, but I feel like this immediate, immediate image that came to mind was when she was caught kissing Carly Kloss at the um, Matt Healy concert. Wait, she Uh, was on the mouth? Yeah. How do you not know about this? What? It was like, oh, are they kissing? Are they not? It's very clearly 90% positive. They, they touched Mm. lips. Yeah. It's a very blurry picture, but it was a huge thing. That's why. She like came out with a tweet that was like, for my birthday, I want everyone to stop telling me I'm dating my best friends. Like, it's like what spurned the Kaler, like the era of it all. Um, okay, I'm Googling and, this picture. Yeah, please do. It was honestly a stunning moment to be a Swifty. Yeah. Um, it was like peak Taylor Carly friendship. Um, they were feeling, they were all over each other, leaning on each other that whole night, kind of drunk, having a good time. And then there's this moment where they both kind of like turn into each other and there's, there is face to face contact. Yes. (laughs) And so that's immediately what this song made me think of. And I do, I do want to puzzle out. Okay, I'm seeing these pictures. This, I mean, they could be kissing, but this could also be like a whispering thing, I feel. Yeah. I mean, that's the real question. That's the, that is the that's the picture that launched a thousand ships. Like what mm-hmm. is it? Thousand what tweets. is happening? Um, I could give you a whole PowerPoint on the Kaler timeline and like why this seems to be about that. But mm-hmm. I could also see the confusion around the, the pronouns here. Who's the you, who's the she are, is she reflecting on like what happened to her and projecting it onto someone else? Is she talking about this guy who did this thing to this other girl and she saw it? Like what's happening? I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's a song I could dig into and just spend hours trying to analyze because I want to make it fit 
the Gaylord theories. <laughs> yeah. And I think it fits like a Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber theory, because I was like, I looked at a TikTok and on the TikTok, it was like, of course, she's going to be spending one of her midnights consoling a friend over a breakup. And it talks about, you know, like them kissing, friends making fun of her. Like that's happened. We have that on video. Um, and then cheering on when she performed right after. You have like a lot of but stuff. But so then would um, she be singing to Justin Bieber in that context? Is she singing Justin Bieber, do you wish you could still touch her? Because that seems like a weird thing for a friend to be up at night wondering. You know what I mean? Why are the yeah. friends laughing and clapping while they're kissing at the same time? Um, laugh for for the for the selena take laughing there's a video of her when they were kissing when they're like newly dating and taylor and a friend are like oh they're kissing gross and then selena goes on to perform on stage and they're kind of like celebrating her performing on stage cheering yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know it's weird we need to ask her this question who is this about but then this song mentions fucking politics and gender roles and that's like the gayest line on this album like it's like of course she'd be obsessing over like, oh, these things are getting in the way because I don't know. You're not sure and I don't know got swept away in the gray. Yeah. Like that is that yeah. is queer. Like that is someone questioning what just happened. And I just may like to have a conversation. It's like I never got closure personally. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like I don't know. I just I <laughs> I need to believe. I would I, like I would it. totally be down like, for that. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, okay on to next one vigilante shit uh, is this your favorite song ashley um no uh ah. so my favorite song is uh, a mix up between you're on your own kid and another one so okay well, i like it draw a cat i strong enough i forgot i'm not looking so at the lyrics yeah. this was this is vintage taylor swift i feel yes. like she's She's someone's done something to her. She's coming back. She's gonna so is this your tell somebody favorite? what's what. No, no. Oh, this okay. is again <laughs> anything that had any semblance of me being able to remember it and having it stick out of this group got some sort of bonus points. And this okay. song does feel somewhat unique on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it's like it's like a version of Bad Blood that's like much more boring and like snoozy, it's still like doing something. <laughs> okay, okay. I think yeah, um, this is her only solo written track on the album, and it definitely feels like a fantasy. Like you're just stewing at night, wishing, like painting yeah. this revenge fantasy in your mind of like all the things you could do if you you would do if you could, and uh, it feels very much like no body, no crime, like just kind of a made up story. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And made up i think about liners. i think she's uh, get wanting revenge on scooter braun like it just kind of yeah. like to me screams like oh if i could just find the proof that you're cheating on your wife and yeah. she can take you off for everything you're worth which ended up happening but yeah i don't think through taylor <laughs> uh, okay. while he was doing lines and crossing all of mine at peak i love it <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely yeah. love it. So, yes, Petty Taylor back alive and well. Thank goodness <laughs> we we knew that she could never escape. Uh, number nine is Bejeweled. This is the song that we got the second music video to. That's yes. sort of like a Cinderella theme. Mm-hmm. It has uh, the Heim sisters as the evil stepsisters, and then Laura Dern as the mom. Um, the song I. Uh, uh, I it's like kind of boppy I feel like but it's not it's also sort of one of those songs that's like 
I feel like the lyrics aren't like that strong. It's kind of, but the, it has good energy. I did like the music video, mm-hmm. specifically the beginning of it with yeah. the Heim sisters and Laura Dern. However, I did feel like it was a little bit of a disservice to Taylor Swift, who is obviously by far the worst actress in the group and <laughs> did not quite nail the lines that uh, I think she could have. I also, one of my favorite things about Taylor Swift is that she cannot dance to save her life. And so watching <laughs> any sort it. of of sequence in which we're trying to sell the fact that, ah, yes, Taylor Swift can dance and look sexy while doing so is entertaining for me. And so the fact that she is is making a move to be a burlesque star in this and dance in a giant uh, martini glass is... I thought the martini glass was fine. It was yeah. the stage dance yes. from up above. That was like, yeah. oh, oh, that's a little yeah. awkward. That was also oh. bad. I mean, I've seen her was... on tour and reputation. She could have done something like that. I felt like yeah. she was very, like, that was the closest to Taylor dancing, like, and me just really vibing with it was reputation tour. And she, there was nothing like that on this. <laughs> At one delightful. point, I did see a clip of her, like this was years ago, talking about uh, something about dancing and how like when she learns to dance, she has to like, she has to have words to yeah, it. Or, she like, learns it to the, yeah. She yeah, it's like not, it's like, you can tell that she like clearly has no rhythm at all. And so like has to sort of like, like, yeah bare knuckle through the dance moves and you could definitely tell that was happening here um <laughs> but and the way i enjoyed she sings that shimmer i just i love it i love mm-hmm. a sugary pop song i was not mad about this i don't think it's cheap songwriting like i would so rather have this over like me or mm-hmm. i mean anything over me but i feel like <laughs> this is a fun pop song and i'm not mad it's on here yeah, and I what I like about the, about her two singles because this is her second single is that in her first single music video she kind of makes fun of Easter eggs like ugh like don't look there's there's no hidden message but in this one she said that she had a PDF of Easter eggs and it was really like blatant like what her next yeah. vault tracks vault <laughs> so albums are gonna be but it was like oh there's so many Easter eggs in here so it was just kind of like poking fun at, at us too yeah hmm. Um, okay, next up we get Labyrinth. I think this is where we really start to go downhill for me. Okay. Um, we're in the back half. There's breathe so many in, of these. Breathe, through, d- breathe deep, breathe out, man. Yeah, dull, slow songs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this was the one that she, uh, I guess, quoted from in her commencement speech. Mm-hmm. Um, Easter egg. Thrilling. Um, thrilling. This was one, This is tied for my least favorite song. Oh my yeah, gosh, this, I hated it too. Yeah, this was, hey, this is also up for that? consideration on Miley's favorite too. Yeah. Okay, good. I think we're all on the same page. I guessed <laughs> Shelby's least favorite labyrinth. Is this your least favorite, Shelby? It was really a toss-up, so sure, okay. I'll give it to you. Ah. Sorry. <laughs> Things okay. It's happy. like, yeah, good as a concept, but I don't like it. Yeah. Number 11 is Karma. This song I have listened to okay. a bunch of times. Okay. It is a fun song to listen to. I don't have a clue what she is talking I about. The love lyrics this song. are mildly gibberish. It's, <laughs> no, they're not. It's, they're not. Bad. Is this the it's, one that you kind of like? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, you were right, Ashley. Okay. It's this. It's also like it's. <laughs> oh, the dogs got so excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one for two for two. 
she, yes, she, she, she's really reaching around to pat herself on the back in this one and be like, wow, I am a, I am a good person. The rest of y'all, not great. But me, karma, I don't have a single issue. Karma is for Um, the fans, Matt. This is for the fans specifically because there's been this long conspiracy theory that, um, if she wouldn't have been like stripped away from everything, Karma would have been her next album. But because everything happened, she released Reputation, and it's just been like this conspiracy theory. There was like a Karma spray painted in the Man music video, and so I feel like Taylor finally gave us Karma, and so it's just everything in the music video and in the song. If you're a fan, you're like, yep, 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 yep. If, um, it's Spider Boy, Scooter Braun. If the whole Braun. album had been this vibe i would have liked it a lot more so i i wish that the karma album uh had happened my favorite thing also regarding this song is that when the album came out izzy iggy azalea was tweeting something (laughs) about karma in general and then some fan site like or news thing like reposted her and was like yes like look iggy azalea loves the new taylor swift song karma and iggy responded was like actually i was just talking about regular karma but like sure (laughs) love taylor No, this is my favorite song off the album. It's been my favorite. I can't, like, move away from it being my favorite. I think it's so fun. It plays into that, like, both petty and bubbly side of her that I like. But also, I do feel like it's more clever than people are giving it credit for. Like, like the line, um, I... uh, Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you it's not? Mm Is like... I love that that's like such a play on this like oh karma's going to get you and that's why you hate karma mm-hmm. uh, because you've done yep. so much in your life that you're going to get it too. And she just gets to sit there and be like, "Oh no, for me it's like I'm basically so close with God, it's my boyfriend." But then on top of that, she has that bridge where she's like and karma is the guy on the screen coming straight home to me. Mm-hmm. And I love that like she's it's just like fun and it's indulgent but it doesn't feel like as snarky as like this is why we can't have nice things it just mm-hmm. feels like she's happy and it's like a very good vibe to to yeah. sing along to these days she this talks about keeping my first... her side of the street clean and that's because she is flying a private jet she will <laughs> not be on the road <laughs> yeah exactly shelby this is a type for my my favorite too oh okay perfect. i didn't get any of your favorites right at all i know well you sort of got mine. You I got, got yours. This, you yes. got my second favorite. Yeah. I do nah. think, yes, this is a fun song. And I think the fact that this is like the most upbeat song on the album also speaks to like why we like it so much and how we were like desperately thirsty for this mm-hmm. by the time you get to track 11 on this dirge of a <laughs> CD. Um, okay, number 12, Sweet Nothing. Here's another boring one that <laughs> I didn't like. It's sweet. Um, this is the one that she wrote with Joe Alwyn under a yeah. pseudonym because she's it's Taylor Swift romantic. and that's how she does. Yeah. It's I have very much like Pete, the answer to peace um, mm-hmm. where she's like, oh, I can't give you anything. Like, I'm sorry. Um, and he's just like, oh, you never. He's. She's like, oh, you never actually wanted something from me. Like, that's so sweet. And mm-hmm. I like that she shared it as like a very tender song. And I think it's also just like the fact that it was co-written by Joe is honestly so soft, like relationship mm-hmm. goals. Rob could never. <laughs> <laughs> I put this it's, as your favorite because you shared it on your Instagram story. And I was like, Oh, it's Easter egg. 
It's her favorite. Yeah. She's found. <laughs> I need to follow uh, Shelby more closely, I guess, on social media to try to win no. these competitions. No, my favorite was Karma, but this yeah. was, a, this was a, a good moment on the album. Then number 13, the last song on the album proper is Mastermind. This is like an sort of almost had like an 80s synth like sci-fi kind of vibe to it. I felt like this could have been used in Stranger Things or something. Um, (laughs) I didn't hate this. It was fine. It was good. It's like Mm -hmm. it's a classic Taylor Swift plot twist where it's like. Oh, Invisible String brought us together? I don't think so. It's me acting psychotic. And then on top of it, there's like, but you too are psychotic and you knew all along that what I was doing. And so I love it. It's like has a good build. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like I wish it had gone harder in its bridge, but all in all, it's a song that I can't get out of my head. Yeah, me either. I wake up to the song all the time. I'm like, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I used it on an Instagram post. I love it. I just wake up to Karma is a cat on my lap. Yes. Um, Karma is also in my mind. Karma, um, <laughs> this one, and then um, Antihero. Those three are like not labyrinth free. Labyrinth not Labyrinth. Just rolling not. around in there. Can't get out. No. Midnight but, Rain. Um, but then we get to the 3 a.m. edition, which honestly is like we talked about, kind of weird that some of these didn't make it to the main album because so I do weird. feel like some of these bizarre. Some of these are really good, honestly. Some of these are better than any of the ones on the main album, and um, they're also like more interesting moments, I think, because you open with the Great War, which is obviously like. It feels very similar to Afterglow on Lover, where she's singing about this big fight, supposedly her and Joe had. But then here she's starting to realize it's a one-sided fight that's just like based around her own insecurities, her own hairpin hairpin triggers. And in the end, she realizes like, oh no, I. It, it just like ties in so much of their relationship cues through mm-hmm. her last few albums with like the blue and the hands and the blah and the fire and the all of this that it feels like a really perfect. Uh, love song to them both and kind of her promise to like you know never forget never surrender and um, I was I was here for it yeah this had like a very interesting metaphor I felt like at the center of it it did feel more uh, folklore-y I think than the than the first half of the or than the original album proper did and I think there's a couple of songs on this back half that feel like they're more akin to the folky side of things. Mm-hmm. But I, on like the people I follow on Instagram or whatever who love Taylor Swift, I feel like this was a song that they were posting a lot mm. um, and were listing as one of their favorites from the album. So, yeah, I think that maybe this was a mistake not to include this somewhere <laughs> in the actual album. But yeah, knows? no, we could talk mm-hmm. all about these songs because the next one is Bigger Than the Whole Sky, which also is getting a lot of attention. Yeah, that's my um, honorable mention. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, it, at first glance, it just feels like she's mourning a breakup, but the more you listen to it, the more depth it feels like it carries. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to make assumptions about <laughs> Taylor Swift around this, which I'm not like totally – like a lot of people reacted like, oh, this reminds me of my – infertility issues my miscarriages and they want to project that onto taylor but she's never shared anything about that um but this song does feel like a big loss and sort of this like moment in someone's life where they where they lose out on 
I read it as sort of like saying goodbye to her girlhood where like something and the parallels are there with what it should have could have too where it's like oh this moment was so shocking to her system that it completely broke who she could have been and she's kind of saying goodbye to what she lost and kind of mourning this child that she had to let go of whether that's you know Mm. metaphorical or literal it just feels like a really mature look at grief and loss and you don't absence of something I just immediately assumed that this song was about her having to recognize the fact that me wasn't going to be a hit. <laughs> That's what it was. There her is baby. that too. She's like, <laughs> goodbye. Spelling is the friend. Yeah. Well, and there was a lot of sky featured in the me music video. So I feel yeah. like that's a tie in. Nobody's <laughs> talking about. You, you're so good at these. You're so good at these. <laughs> Um, I did, a lot of people are saying it's like, it's a little bit too personal to really throw miscarriage on Taylor because yeah. even if she did, like, t- like Shelby said, like she has not told us and it's so personal. Yeah. Um, I read it through my own eyes and didn't really throw anything on her, but I read it through like infertility, but that's me thinking like, oh, I can really relate to the song because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But if she well, did, also, like, you know, she has just had like 90 breakups. So this could be about one of those as well. Yeah, oh it's gosh. giving like major inner child work. It's like, it's like she was able to process something in her life that she felt she lost, and whether yeah. that was a sad breakup or something, you know, deeper. I guess it mm-hmm. seems to speak to a lot of people. Yeah, I'm interested how you felt about Paris, Matt. Um, I sort of felt about Paris like I felt about Bejeweled. Yeah. That it was like a little bit of a welcomed, like upbeat number. Um, but it, I felt like it was sort of like mixed metaphors or like not hitting yeah. exactly the, the things I needed it to. I felt like this is a song that like didn't really fit on this album necessarily. And also didn't seem that good. Like I, like I'm kind of like, why was this here? <laughs> exactly. Because she rhymed Paris with somewhere else, and that alone is a feat. You know, it it's something. <laughs> it's something. Yeah, I I felt similarly. Where I was like, oh, it's cute, but also, what are we like? Why are we singing about imagining being in Paris? Like, what you can be in? Like, I didn't understand maybe what it was about. Did you see uh, Carly Kloss's TikTok? No. Okay, Did so she her- she's in Paris for fashion. She was in Paris for the Paris Fashion Week, and she was wearing like just basically just a dark blue outfit, and just okay. and it said she was in Paris, and so everyone was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, <laughs> oh, we think this is a reference to Carly Kloss in Paris. Yeah, that's like, people are like recently, oh or when they were friends. No, it was like two weeks ago. Oh. It's in the past like week or so, and so they're like, "I think she wrote this a few weeks before." I she could have based no. on the quality of the writing. Well, the fact that Taylor had like released the album that said Paris, and then Carly Gloss emphasizes that she's in Paris. People are like, "Oh my gosh!" But it's like, but Carly's in Paris. She's wearing dark blue, midnight blue. People are just, you know, going down oh, that spiral. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Actually, I do feel like we have done you a great disservice here of not asking which of these songs is most likely about blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this infidelity. feels like it could be a contender. Yeah. Let me see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Paris could be about blowjobs if it's about Carly and uh, and Taylor. Well, you know. I guess you don't else. technically call them blowjobs, but going down it's on something one something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more. Perhaps bigger than the whole sky. That's about a blowjob. <laughs> 
It's hard, uh, hard to and get the big Things get ones. a little spicy on the next track, though, which yes. is high infidelity. Yes, this is the April 29th track. Yeah. Which, and it's a Aaron Dessner song. Did you yes. notice the difference, Matt? I did. I did notice the difference between this and Paris. Yes. Yeah. Vibe shift. (laughs) Yeah. I thought this was clever. It was definitely Mm -hmm. like the uh, sister track to Getaway Car, Mm -hmm. um, kind of answering for her crimes almost, where she's like, yeah, maybe it was a little bit of a gray area, but like, what are you going to do about it? And I like that she references High Fidelity, which is this movie about with John Cusack, who's recounting his breakups and kind of going through his failed attempts at romance and, and having to grow up. And so here she's singing about like a guy who's putting on your records and regretting me. And it's just like, it's this nice referential imagery, um, one to her DJ boyfriend, but also just like the mess of it all will always intrigue me. Um, why does Tom come in? Like, is she hooking up with Joe on April 29th? Like, what's going on here? I need to oh, know, but I also Joe. just enjoy it. It's not Joe. It's it's uh, Tom Hiddleston right before the Met Gala. That's why they were so cozy. They'd already been cozy before. <laughs> I know, but when would they have met? Like, why April 29th? Like- I don't know. <laughs> she keeps mentioning it, and I feel like it's – I'm like – like, you know we're going to have people digging through the archives of trying to figure out exactly where well, she Well, it was. is, like, all part of that. Like, April 29th, I think, is the exact date that Calvin Harris was like, oh, I'll never work with Taylor Swift. And supposedly, once they broke up, that was cited as, like, a reason for their mm-hmm. problems. And this is the night that she wore a very sparkly dress, um, bejeweled, if you will. And I feel like I can see it being, like, she just went out you know, because Bejeweled does feel like someone's putting her on the bottom shelf. She's being feeling neglected. And she's like, why am I dating you type thing? Yep. And so it does feel like it's going hand in hand with that, where maybe on the 29th, they just, she had maybe a loose moment or flirtatious moment. And he's like, what did you do? And she's like, do you really want to know type thing? Mm-hmm. So maybe nothing actually happened that night, but it was like a moment in their relationship where they realized it wasn't going to work. And she's like, you know what? I'm hightailing it out of here. Hmm. Okay. It's just like, there's many different ways to kill the one you love. The slowest way is never loving them enough. Calvin. Amen. Snaps. Okay. <laughs> okay, now on to my least favorite song. Glitch. <laughs> really? I would have thought with your determination to have anything sound different, you would have liked this. I have this I listed like... as a maybe for you. Uh, it's just such a nothing song and it's like she doesn't even I feel like she's not even singing in most of it she's just sort of like chatting it's I don't know I just I and and it's so late in the album that by the Mm -hmm. time I got to this I was just like dear lord in heaven if I have to listen to another one of these songs it's like going nowhere doing nothing saying nothing (laughs) I'm going to rip my hair out it's very much a vibe it's not necessarily her best work but it is just like a feeling of like slow dancing hazily with this guy you love and thinking, huh, isn't it crazy we ended up here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which I feel like we've seen about four times on this album already. <laughs> yeah, it kind she's of like goes away me. with mastermind. Like if she's a mastermind, like where does Glitch fall into this? But Yeah, yeah that's also. true. Interesting. Hmm. 
So maybe yeah, she's lying it does in one of play these. into the same, you know, this, this ties in a lot of their relationship songs like Cornelia Street and Cruel Summer where it's like, oh, we were just friends and then we went to this and like, oh, Two songs we're just I would have games. killed someone to have on this album, honestly. <laughs> and so it is just kind of like, it does just feel, it, this is the song where I was like, oh, Taylor does do edibles. Like this is just her kind of yep. zoning out, having a good time, feeling it in her body. I don't know. Okay, well, that's enough of that. On to <laughs> would have, could have, should have. Okay, which one of you said this was my least I favorite? I did. Because that's I think John. I said it was your least favorite. That's insanity. I said it was your favorite. That's Only because I was like, you love Dear John, and she's having like a crisis of faith in here. I was just. I, you I, liked this song? No I, no, no, I love this song. Or you loved it? I love this song. Oh, I said it was Why? your favorite. And he said it was your least favorite. I think this is one of the best written songs on this album, hands down, no question. Okay, so I'm close. That's good. Yeah. Karma's like my most favorite to listen to. It's a I it'll be one of my favorites, but would have should could have should have is like such a good song, Matthew. I, don't I mean, understand. she is doing the age gap thing that Demi Lovato just did. So <laughs> I guess that angle is there for you. Well, this is like but- clearly an in-depth look at her relationship with John Mayer and kind of a more grown-up reflection on what she explored in Dear John, which was much more about, like, the plaintive loss. And this is, like, the indignant anger and, like, how dare you do this to me type thing and, like, look what Mm -hmm. you took from me. And the way it builds and the way she writes about it is just so beautiful. And this, again, is an Aaron Dessner number. Um, And he allows her vocals to kind of carry the song and you get that classic building bridge. You get that powerful release in the end. Um, the like lines, if clarity's in death, why won't this die? Promising mm-hmm. grown man, like give me back my girlhood. It was mine first. Like all of it is so brutal and powerful and moving and like just a classic Taylor Swift ballad. So, okay. So my question <laughs> is, Taylor had said that the red scarf was a metaphor for something. And everyone read into the metaphor being Jake took something from her. Didn't take something from her, but, you know, they had sex for the first time. um, Her virginity. This song is giving me vibes of maybe... Oh, my dog is trying to get something off of here. It's giving me vibes (laughs) that maybe John was the one who, like, took something from... Took that from her, I guess. And... It wasn't didn't worth it wasn't worth anything to him, but was worth something to her. I don't know. I'm kind of I'm just torn, and I feel weird talking about who took like who did Taylor <laughs> give her virginity to. I think there's a lot of other ways a man, especially with an age gap like that, especially at the vulnerable mm-hmm. position Taylor was at as a fan of John Mayer, as someone he approached because he wanted to work with her. Like, there's a lot more he could do to damage her than just okay. take her virginity. Well, yeah, just more like... like he could have made her listen to this album. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how he would have done that, Matt. It's like 20 years ago. And, Matt, you he had said that... time. You had said that Taylor did something that Demi did. Taylor oh. did that way before Demi did because she was like, isn't 19 too young to be playing these games? She did that way back, um, <laughs> yeah, like, eras ago so demi did something taylor did and taylor just re-emphasized what she (laughs) originally did i i dk finally 29 is a pretty good song it is it is i like that song (laughs) okay the last song on the bonus album 
is Dear Reader, which I actually uh, was it a euphoric haze if the uh, the album's done. I don't know, but I did like this one. I felt like it was um, sort of an interesting uh, thought pattern of her telling like the people listening to your music like why are you taking advice from me like I am not someone who you should be listening to for advice from um yeah I like the concept but maybe as a Taylor Swift fan I feel like it didn't it stayed too surface level like it mm-hmm. didn't provide any new insight really like it it read almost exactly like her poem from Reputation yeah. um which I don't remember and so this just felt like a really lazy tack on it was honestly probably my least favorite after labyrinth yeah i don't it's a skip for me i think because it's just like she just repeats it she doesn't go anywhere interesting with it like it's the same concept and then it really fizzles out in the end like she kind of knew it wasn't going anywhere too Mm -hmm. yeah like why are these songs on this album though (laughs) like yeah it feels so like mishmashy these back half ones like and there are some high notes, but I feel like there's also just, like, you could have subbed the good songs from the back half onto the bad songs of the first half and kept 13 tracks and had it been better. I think mm-hmm. Taylor hates short albums. She loves to write songs too much. She loves creating music too much. And so it's really hard for her to self-edit, which is why Lover was, like, so long and why, with these re-recordings, she's excited to release these vault tracks. Like, I think she just likes writing music and doesn't want it to go to waste. So she's just like, how do I indulge my most indulgent tendencies and like give the fans, the Uber fans what they want, which is more music, which is never mm-hmm. a bad thing. And some of Sometimes these, some of these songs have reached like the top 10 of the iTunes rankings and stuff and are trending on the billboard 100. So it's like, like it, I think it just allows her to reach more of an audience and kind of like the breadth versus depth thing um, is always like her struggle. So it was like a happy medium where she could kind of play, play both sides. Hmm. And she always gives us bonus songs too. Yeah. Oh, and yes. then on top of this, we get a bonus song on the Target um, album. Well, three, two are technically remixes. And um and then who knows what else Hits is different. coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I didn't listen to the remixes. Hits Different was fun. It's like yeah, more upbeat. Mm-hmm. It feels like a song that they would play over like the end credits of a movie, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, it, it reminded me like a... of a song, of a something that should be on um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like that's the energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but um... all in all, you know, I think this album's grown on me in ways where lovers started to fizzle for me so mm-hmm. i think this will have staying power in a way her some other albums haven't but it definitely isn't like peak taylor um and i'm still excited to go to tour which oh, I'm, yeah, me too. i think i'll drag matt to maybe i'm oh. not going on to this tour <laughs> but imagine the podcast episode afterwards and matt yeah. hold on i have to say i've had friends who did not like Taylor Swift, hated Taylor Swift, but were dragged to a concert. And then afterwards yeah. they were like, oh my gosh, this like, she hits different now. Yeah. If, oh, it hits different. If, <laughs> if, if, if like, if Shelby like won tickets to something in New York and was like, hey, I have an extra Taylor Swift ticket. Do you want to go? Would I go? Yes, sure. Okay. Well, do I want to pay $300 or whatever it's going to cost me to go see there and then have to battle like 9,000 screaming 
people to get on the train at the end of the night. (laughs) And just like all of that rigmarole. Also, she's going to be touring for four albums. Like the only one that I actually sort of like liked, liked was Lover, which I feel like we're not going to get a ton of songs from. Like I would believe that this tour would be majority Midnight's and then a lot of Lover because she never got to play Lover. And then... I think you'd only get like folklore evermore in mashups or B stage stuff. I really Mm -hmm. think this will be a pop tour. Yeah, me too. Mm. Well, so you see if you can get press passes, Matt, and I'll come to you. (laughs) Okay, I'll pretend I cover music and hope that nobody goes and looks up my Taylor Swift tweets uh, (laughs) before they're approving things. (laughs) Um, Episodes like this. I feel like this album is like bottom half of Taylor Swift albums. Okay. I can respect that. Do you do you agree or disagree? She's uh, had ten albums, mid. not including the the re-release. Is this five or above or six or below? I think I would put it. Okay, let's run through. I think it would be dead center. Yeah, me too. Maybe lower half. I guess lower half, technically. Hmm. Okay. I think as a full album, this is really listenable. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I skip as many as I do on things like Speak Now or um, Evermore. So it's like, it's an album that I can sit down with and enjoy, even if it's not all my favorite songs. Mm -hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I don't love it. I don't think I'll be listening to it very much, (laughs) but glad that we got to do this podcast and chit chat about it. Thank you for joining us ashley it's always a pleasure to have you here truly um (laughs) i'm sure we'll be doing more coverage on swiftish as we get um more and more into the weeds here but thanks for coming ashley always appreciate the backup and Matt, one of these days, you will like a Taylor Swift album. I, I, I've Perhaps. That for you. Maybe the 6 a.m. Yeah. Uh, release album that's coming <laughs> with 12 new a- tracks. The 9 yeah. a.m. one. Yeah, w- whenever the M- Max Martin, whatever uh, hour he was uh, handed, maybe I'll like that one more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then Shelby and I will be back next week with our 200th podcast episode. Um, where we Yay! have some, where we have an exciting premise um, to work through, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of debating and arguing. Truly and, chaotic. Yes, and the two of us have some prep work to be done. But yeah, so we'll be back next Thursday with that. In the meantime, you can always follow us on social media. You can follow Swiftish on social media. Um, are you guys doing anything else exciting over on that side? Uh, nothing official yet. Okay, things in the works. Um, yeah, and then whenever uh, Taylor Swift goes on concert, Ashley will be at every single one of them. I have a um, baby, so I can't. The baby will be there. Yeah. The baby will be crowd surfing. <laughs> Straight um, to Taylor. Yes, yes. Oh, this is Taylor's baby. I, I somehow have it. I need to get it to her. You better let me backstage. Her name's Karma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Karma Claus. Um, <laughs> Okay, we'll see you guys later. Bye.